Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 204th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the show that inverts truth on a regular basis. MGG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering, finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at MTG Critic on Twitter. Co- my co-host this week, as always, is Travis Allen, a.k.a. at Wizard Bumpin', and we're here to help you folks make and yep. save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, James. Glad to be here and looking forward to sharing all sorts of valuable information with you. Our show is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to manage your collection, track your specs, chat on Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Travis, what is on our agenda this week, my friend? This week, a show in four parts. Segment one, our top movers, we will talk about the cards that have moved the most in price this week. Segment two, our cards to watch. James and I will run through some cards that we think have a positive outlook. See, you've been busy. Segment three, our metagame week in review. We've got some pioneer events with the uh, new set finally in the mix, so we can take a look at some fun stuff there. And finally, segment four, our topic of the week, Theros Collector's Boosters. Uh, I'm looking at a pile of Theros Collector's Boosters cards right now that I'm not wild about. And well, I, I just sold $240 worth of them for you. Your lands are gone. Oh, are they? Well, that mm-hmm. is... Wait, 240 really? Yeah, all four boxes. Oh, that's nice. There you uh, go. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I mean, that helps. Still got to get through the other three boxes worth of cards here, though. Um, and finally, unstable. Uh, it's it's not unstabilized, right? What is it actually? <laughs> the new unhinged set. I, yeah. I'm not sure what it's called. I just wrote unstabilized because uh, unrefined, first... unnecessary. Yeah, it was the first un- one that came to mind. Um, we'll touch on that real quick because there is something I think that's uh, we're talking about. Um, but let's get started here. Segment one, our top movers, first card on the list, Ranger Captain of Eos out of Modern Horizons, non-foil seven and change up towards 12 uh, for a nice little pickup, about 50%. This was James's pick from last week. Um, so pl- pl- plenty of people talking about this card and its role in the Heliod combo decks for Modern. Um, the deck needs to post up for this to stick. But buy lists were looking reasonably favorable this week, and I would not be scared to unload into them. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I, I feel like on a card like this, if I got there on the buy list, I'd probably be happy to take it. Um, buy list at 845. So depending on where your entry point was, there are people that bought these in the low teens in the summertime that don't quite have their their exit yet. But sometimes you need to get out just to get, get those funds over into something better. Yeah. Um, which it's entirely possible could be the case here because even if this posts up in modern, um, its best outlook would be to be catch up to say Yogmoth, since they're both mythics from the same set. Uh, I agree. Who so, was hanging out around $20. Okay. So probably not, uh, not something you want to play a real long game with. That new unset, by the way, is called unsanctioned. Unsanctioned. 
And okay. it does not, people should know that it doesn't appear in as booster packs. It is basically a boxed set, um, which happens to come with five non-foil and five foil fancy lands. And they are quite attractive. Um, That's what we're going to come back to. Okay. Uh, next on our list is Galta Primal Hunger, the game night copy, 6 to 10 for about 60%. I knew that we had talked about this not too long ago. Episode 201, you had also pegged this for 6 to 15. Um, you know, it's a 4 of in the Pioneer Mono Green deck. It's over 5,000 EDH rec decks. Uh, it's definitely out there and around. Um, so this is the game night copies moving from 6 to 10, which uh, I'm pretty sure is the exact, exact one you're talking about. So they are cool looking. Um, I... You know, if it's 10 and I paid six, I might get greedy here. I could see getting greedy, but I wouldn't hurt anyone for taking the money and running. My call on episode 201 was six to 15 within six months. So I think I'm holding a little further here. Yeah. Okay. I agree. I like that too. Uh, the next one was also a cast pick. This is one I called last week Sylvan Caryatids. Um, the buy a box promo in particular foils going from 10 to 20 this week, not a super honest pick result because inventory was so low by the time we got to recording that the market was only five or 10 copies away, probably from, uh, getting into the mid teens. But the, the card has, I think semi-permanently hit this plateau unless it faces a reprint, which doesn't seem to be on the horizon anytime soon. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you on that one. Um, Johnny, Strength of the Pride, Corset 2020, non-foils, uh, about 6 to 12-ish or so, so about a double up. Um, Mono White and Standard and Pioneer with Heliod has been seeing some success in both formats. Uh, so this is a nice buy list exit here for you uh, if you manage to get in a little cheaper along the way. Our pro traders got in on these in September at 375 or so, Whew. and CK buy list is currently at 832. Um, that is a very clean exit. Take it and run. I would agree with you on that. That is uh, about as about as good as you can reasonably hope for. You can you can hope for more, but it's not reasonable. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not convinced that the white deck is is tier one in either format. So. You know, for a card that's going to rotate in the fall, you don't you don't pass these exits. Oh yeah, that is rotating too. Yeah, absolutely. Get out of there. Get out of there. Get out while the getting's good. Next on the list, we got Silumgar's Scorn, Dragons of Tarkir. This is the force spike that turns into a hard counter if you either reveal a dragon or have a dragon in play, which I know all too well because I've run this deck in both Frontier and Pioneer, um, Just Guy Dragons, and uh, usually you run a couple copies, maybe a couple more in the sideboard depending on your meta. Foils going from four fifty to ten dollars. Uh, I'm assuming uh, on the back of people fooling around with the card on that basis. Yeah, I can't think of where else this would come from, right? Like it's basically just got to be people trying to play dragons in Pioneer. Um, I don't see this as being a major component of dragons in EDH. Uh, I'm curious. I've, I've never looked up its its play pattern in EDH, so maybe we'll take a look here. Me neither, and I took that, you know, I said that blind, but there's probably not a lot of dragon decks that are blue. Yeah, it's only reported in 200 decks on EDH Rec, so it's not coming from that side of things. 
most of the good dragon commanders are not blue, other than, I mean, Silumgar, the Drifting Death, Ojatai, and Croesus the Purger, Intet, I guess Nicobolas, the Ravager, is the is the most popular uh, commander that you'd be likely to run this in. Yeah, which is even still, like, yeah. You also have Niv-Mizzet Perun. There's actually a, a fair amount of blue dragons, to be honest, but given that it's barely reported, um, it's probably being overlooked in those decks. Right, they're um, out there, but I, just, I don't think anyone's yeah. really... It's a five-year-old uncommon foil that probably has decent casual chops, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, casuals hate counterspells for the most part, is my concern there. I mean, they know that ca- that having your spells countered is like one of the things casual players hate the absolute most. So it's not that people I, don't play them, but they're definitely lower on the... See, see I would argue that if you're, you and your brother are playing casual magic at the kitchen table, your brother hates getting countered, but you love to counter. Like, I don't think casuals don't buy counter spells. They're not just running mono red into each other all the time. Uh, no, I mean, it's not like no one plays them, but I would bet that the incidence rate of counter spells and casual magic is a lot lower than it is in competitive magic. I wonder if that's true. I mean, the, I, I, I would argue that there's relatively few control players overall in competitive magic. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, the, the biggest segment's got to be like mid-range ramp decks, right? Of competitive across, players across most competitive formats, like your Trons and your green-white combo decks, your Juns, like mid-rangey grindfests. Well. I uh, I mean I don't know if I'd count Tron as a mid range deck. If no, it's t- a ramp. It's a ramp deck. But yeah. the but what I'm saying is that total number total percentage of decks running any counter spells in modern or pioneer is pretty low. Like Mo- blue white control in both formats. Modern has had a a long in modern's long history. Blue has traditionally been weak. It wasn't until the last couple of years that blue really picked up in steam. <laughs> This is a very long-winded way of us yeah. saying we have no idea why this card has posted up, has drained out of the market. I think control is much more, tends to be much more difficult to build successfully and is likely to be an event deck more than a format deck, if that makes sense. Sure. Because you have to have all the right answers. Your opponent just has to show up and ask any number of questions. Okay. Um. Next on the list, Starfield of Nyx is a little more obvious. Yeah. Out of Magic Origins, this is a Somerset Mythic um, that was always going to get there eventually. People probably have stacks of this from us talking about it back around that time. Um, good on them because there's a Bylas exit at ten fifty cash, thirteen sixty five credit with CK, and retails somewhere in the sixteen to eighteen dollar range for almost a double up within the last month. So that's pretty solid. Yeah, I would. That's another one that I would take and get out on, mostly because yep. the. Uh, the enchantment theme really did not hit as hard, I think, as a lot of people, me, uh, me included, us included, were expecting. Um, so, you know, if there's anything left here, it's not much. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I take that. The next one uh, definitely puzzles me. Uh, Oriok Salvagers out of Modern Masters, the original Modern Masters, foils are like four to nine, basically. Uh, pfft, not legal in Pioneer. So, I don't think anyone's found a auto bomber deck in modern all of a sudden right so is this just like the set's seven years old and actually going to be eight years old this year and people keep picking at it uh i guess unless you got a better idea 
Yeah, I mean, there's still Bomberman decks running around in Legacy for all that matters. Yeah, but like, uh, which is like, what, like eight people in America at this point? <laughs> uh, Salvagers on EDH Rec, only 648 decks recorded in the last few years. So, yeah, this is just another case of modest demand meeting zero supply. Mm, well, there you go, guys. This one, on the other hand, is pretty clear. Hidden Strings at a Dragon Maze, uh, Alex's set. Uh, foils of Hidden Strings going from 3 to 9. This has been like upsy downsy on TCG Player based on whoever, you know, undercuts the other person by a few bucks to get out of the copies they found in bulk. Um, this is on the back of the Pioneer Lotus Field deck. The deck looks strong for as long as it is allowed to continue. Doesn't seem ultra-dominant so far, but does seem solid. So I would imagine that you can find a buyer for your Hidden String foils if you happen to have opened some during Dragon's Maze. Certainly would be nice for the people that opened those boxes to mine a little bit of value, given that I think the EV of those boxes was down to like $24 or something at one point. (laughs) Uh, Might still be there. Yeah. Yeah, I, that set just had really nothing that stayed with the game. Voice Resurgence, a little bit. But beyond that, man, there's like nothing. I'm trying to think if anything has taken off other than Hidden Strings recently from that set. Uh, we'd have to go back and look through our notes, but I, I would guess probably not. Like Voice yeah. of Resurgence, Master of Cruelties wear and tear mazes end oh i guess poss- possibility storm foils recently yeah yeah like it had some cool cards i think the set it is surprising that the set ended up where it was um i wonder if alex would ever be willing to do a post-mortem on that uh but that's i'm sure there'd be that would be some good stories yeah and that's neither here nor there though um Scab Clan Berserker out of Magic Origins foils 4-ish to 11-ish. This is another one that I'm kind of at a loss on. I don't think I saw much of this in the Pioneer results. Uh, Not a new modern card by any stretch. I mean, it is legal in Pioneer. So maybe a green-red deck somewhere popped up with this that we didn't see? It looks like maybe... Okay, so there's... Some Somebody, of the red decks. Yeah, I'm seeing that now. Playing four of in their sideboard. Okay, this is Camp Clan Berserker. This is a three mana two two haste with renown one. When it deals damage, it gets a one one counter, becomes renowned. Uh and Scab Clan Berserker is the one that if it's renowned, it becomes well, it's not Idolon of the Great Rebel. It's if they cast a non creature spell, it shocks them. So you play your three mana two two haste. You deal damage to them, and now every time they play a non-creature, they get shocked. So it's obviously an anti-control card. Uh, I guess this is but, just... But, a, but also does work against the Lotus Field deck and probably Phoenix, right? All the decks that are casting a lot. Yeah, creatures a yeah. Lot. I mean, really, it's, actually, that's probably true. It's probably, like, secondary an anti-control card and primarily an anti-combo card since you're likely to get your three drop in on turn three with haste since the combo deck is trying to set up, and then they have to remove that creature or they may kill themselves. Um, so Pretty that's sure probably what it is. Todd from Star City Games had a good chunky red 
roundup including sideboard choices last week so if you want to get better advice on why scab clan berserker matters and why it earns four slots on the sideboard go take a look over there i think the important thing is i'm selling the hell out of this card oh uh, yeah oh be- yeah because i generally dislike sideboard cards unless they are like ultra format side ultra format stable sideboard cards like Leyline of the void or what sure. mater mage used to be Anything that's not those cards, like just you don't want to be dealing with that. Yeah, the odds that anybody has a pile of foil scab clan berserkers seems low to me, but people might have one or two copies lying around they can they can uh, try to unload online. There's one guy with those somewhere, I'm sure, <laughs> but uh, beyond that, yeah. every card has a champion. That yes, is, that much is true. Uh, Empyrean Eagle from Corset 2020 foils going from 250 to $10 on the back of Pioneer Blue White Flyers. Did not see that one coming. Uh, I mean, that's a significant jump. I have to wonder if any are actually selling north of eight bucks. Even that high seems a bit much. It's um, an uncommon from that set. Yeah. Yeah, it does seem like you were, there are probably better choices. Like, is uh, Mausoleum Wander not better positioned than Imperial Eagle? And, and they were two fifty to start with. I mean, it's not like these were fifty cent foils. Yeah, I mean the the the, the deck has been real ish for a while now. So, I mean, I guess there's just enough people that are willing to foil this deck. Deck's not I mean, super expensive to foil, so. No, I wouldn't think so. Uh, anyway, I have none of them, and I doubt any of you do either. Um, Brain Freeze at a Scourge going from like $1.50 to $10. i am assuming this is on the back of Thassa's Oracle shenanigans. Mm, yeah, it would make sense. Rack up, a bunch of, rack up a bunch of spells and then Brain Freeze for the win off the Oracle. Mm-hmm. Some, uh, some fun-looking Oracle decks this week here, huh? I'm sure I have some Brain Freeze copies sitting around in a pile of Legacy Staples that never sell. So maybe I'll go drag those out. Really? Hmm. Yeah, like I'm I have like, like cards I would I, I have cards I put aside in a cards that only matter in legacy box that I sell I would have ex- lower pace. I would have expected brain freezes to have already gotten sold. Well, I mean, if they're sitting in a box, then they just haven't been listed. So I can't very well okay. comment on whether they would have sold. Sure. Uh, I I would have expected that upon when combing through a collection, they would get pulled out as either, you know, directly sellable or buy listable, I should say. What's buy list on this right now? I would think it was pretty low. Uh, let's see. It's an old one. Talking about three twenty-five, that's not bad. Yeah, definitely mm-hmm. worth pull, pulling out and throwing into your buy list. Yeah, if you I mean if you've got a couple of them, right? Like, uh, whatever. Uh, Fiend Slayer Paladin foils out of M fourteen, three dollars to apparently twenty-two, but uh, you've got the inside track on this one. Yeah, I can't say I, I had the. I, I saw lots of other people mentioning it here or there, and we ended up making it a Pro Trader Best Ideas uh, under the category Mop Up, which is what we call it when. You have entry, which is, there is a card plentiful in the market. It may go up sometime soon, or not so soon. Maybe buy some under these conditions. Then you have a thing called the mop-up, which is, <laughs> this card is more or less sold out, but there are some still cheap some still some cheap copies lying around. Maybe you want to grab one or two if you can. And Fiendslayer Paladin foils were in that position like a week ago. Um, so people could have bought them 3 4 5 6 $7, depending on where they were targeting. 
Now they're supposedly north of 20. I'd be happy to get out anywhere between probably 10 and 15. Um, it sees play in sideboards of a couple of different decks in Pioneer, none of which seem tier one to me. Uh, this will eventually someday catch a reprint, but I don't think it's on anybody's radar at Wizards to make sure that happens anytime soon. So these foils will probably hold pretty close to this plateau easily enough. Not the kind of thing I expect people to have big stacks of unless they were really like targeting the card early in Europe. Right. Right. Good. A good play. A good play. I think I, I would probably be happy to sell mine because there's probably not like I don't see them getting reprinted all that time soon. But at the same time, I don't know where any extra demand is going to come from. I'd be happy to flip the funds into something else, especially if I got in that cheap. Sure. So what's the big winner this week? Uh, the bi- big winner this week, I had to go look at this one because uh, I noticed it popped up as both the foils and non-foils, uh, which always means something happened. <laughs> I'm like, okay, what is going on here? Uh, Inverter of Truth, Oath of the Gatewatch, non-foils, about 70 cents to five bucks, and the foils jumped pretty hard too. Uh, so this is part of a Pioneer Oracle of Thassa deck that uses Inverter of Truth to exile your library, basically. Um, and it swaps it with your graveyard. So you can use, you can play Inverter of Truth, return, which essentially turns your library into like three cards or, you know, roughly, and then play Thassa's Oracle and win with that trigger. It also plays the uh, Laboratory Maniac Jace. So you have virtually nothing left in your library and then you have Jace out and then you win when you have no cards in your library. Uh, so making good use of Inverter of Truth's effect in that regard, which uh, all things considered isn't the most surprising because I remember when this card came out, you know, we kind of looked at it and we're like, well, I don't know how this is going to get used yet, but this is four mana for a big old effect. Uh, so someone somewhere will probably figure out a way to make it work. Turns out we just needed both Lab Maniac and Thassa's Oracle together in Pioneer, and somebody managed it. Um, I've seen 4-1 in one of the um, Pioneer preliminaries, so I had the three Jace Wheeler Mysteries, the four Inverters, the four Oracles, and then other than that, it looks like mostly a Demir control deck here. Um, there's, some cute, there's some cute tech in here. Because the Inverter of Truth exiles all the cards from your library, but then you take all your graveyard cards and form a new library. And so then the, the Oracle has to come in and has to its trigger has to beat the number of cards in the library to win the game. So you want the number of cards in your graveyard when it becomes your library to be as low as possible. So to help with that, they run two Murderous Cut and two Dig Through Time, which of course have Delve. So if they Delve a Dig Through Time into the missing combo piece, they can clean out the library so that the Oracle has an easier time of it. That's that's clever. I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, so it's cool. Looking. I, now, as for Inverter of Truth, I would sell hard and fast. Um, this is obviously a spike based on some very preliminary results because <laughs> it's from the preliminary. Um, even if this deck is the truth, oh boy, I'm on a roll. I still don't think Inverter Truth is going to hold either of these <laughs> price points. So uh, I would sell into the hype for sure. We- I don't see this. I don't see this being Pioneer's next big combo deck. And even if Thassa's Oracle is part of Pioneer's big combo deck, like the odds that it's the Inverter of Truth build is low. And I don't love it. I don't love it. I don't know. I called this a meme deck when we first started talking about it in the Discord last week. 
Um, people were definitely all about it. A bunch of our members got in early with inverters like sub a dollar, sub two dollars that are have been reporting a ton of sales. One guy unloaded 40 copies. So Ooh. people are going are moving in on the deck. Um, I only have copies that I have to go dig out of bulk from Oath of the Gatewatch, which is just a disaster. You hate it when a card like spikes and you know you got to put the time aside to go find them, but you don't know exactly how many copies you have or whether it's going to be worth your time. <laughs> Very annoying. Um, uh, I mean, the people who bought at 60 cents, yeah, like you pat yourself on the back to a victory lap. Like that worked out really well for you and I'm glad for it. I'm saying that if I have them, I'm not like holding out, right? Like this isn't uh well, it spiked, but I think it can go higher. Like the odds that inverter truth goes up from here is so slim. Like I'm just taking the, take the victory lap, move on with your life. It's notable that card kingdom didn't have a buy list on the non foils at all up until I think this afternoon when they posted at a dollar 30. Yeah. Um, it, as a rare, I would say at $5, I'd be fast selling, but as a mythic, if this deck has legs, and keep in mind it has 4-1-5-0-6-2-6-2-6-2 all over the place on Magic Online, 6-2 to uh, Pioneer Challenge on the 26th, doesn't guarantee that it's going to earn a tier 1 slot in the format, but it is a 4 of Mythic, so it could hit 10 in the next week relatively uh, easily. Uh, maybe. And I, I would give you a maybe only because at this point, there may be such a supply concentrated in the hands of like 40 people specking on it rather That's than true. being heavily distributed. And, and, and expect tons of copies to come in from Europe since we know that groups operating over there, including some of our members, probably went deep. Yeah, I guess I'm looking at the deck list too and I'm seeing, you know, you have your three Jaces. From a rare from War of the Spark, so there's a there's a big supply of those out there. Um, you've this got is, this is the 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 keyhole. Like you you have to. This is the card that is most likely to spike in the deck. Oh, I agree with that. I agree with that, and I'm also looking at the deck and seeing that there's not a lot of other places for the money to go. So it could just be end up being a cheap deck. Like. What well, one of the things I don't like is that walls are already forming from the people that got them real cheap. So various people on TCG have 20 copies, 18 copies, 8, 10. That's going to beget undercutting, which has already begun. You know, it's going to push it back down into the 2 or $3 range. And then it's just a question of whether enough people get on the deck to outpace that. If they can buy them faster than these guys can sell them, then it goes to 10. If the reverse happens and a bunch of copies come out of the woodwork, and keep in mind, essentially zero of this card has ever been played before so the copies are certainly there are tens of thousands of inverter of truths it's just a question of how many how fast the market can can suck them up and locate them right 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 i mean ultimately i'm playing a numbers game i think that you're the risk of not selling them is higher than the reward of not selling them um yeah i think that's fine i I think i think especially if you were in earlier just had them sitting around you flip out a playset at 20 bucks, you chalk it up as a win and move on. If you happen to have multiple playsets, then you just see how the market goes. Like if it's if it's heading up or down in another week, then you'll know what to do. So yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so that's it for cards to watch, uh, top movers. Let's move on to cards to watch. Talk about the cards we think are worth a look this week. Um, as per usual, you should uh, remember that we may own these cards, we may intend to own these cards, we will not pick a card just because we own it, um, but we do try to give you guys a sampling of uh, options to consider when you're choosing how to spe- uh, spend your spec 
purse for the week. Um, my first pick this week is the only extended art from Theros I have purchased so far. Thassa's Oracle extended arts were got down as, as low as about, I think I paid eight fifty a piece for a bunch on eBay over the weekend. Um, and I think you can find them more commonly around $11 right now. I think this card is a multi-format all-star and almost certainly one of the top three most important cards in the set. Um, not only is there the Inverter of Truth deck, but there are probably decks in Modern, Legacy, and it is gonna it is the most popular uh, card from the set in on EDH Rec so far. So that is the profile of a card that is going to get there. It's I called it the Emery of the set, I think, last week or the week before, and I think that holds true, but I think Oracle might actually be have a broader broader demand profile than Emery. Emery has been mostly a one-deck card in both Pioneer and Modern so far, and in EDH is popular, but I think Oracle will be more so at the same, uh, you know, the same signposts along the way. The Oracle Extended Arts look fantastic. Um, the foils are briskly uh, ratcheting up. And as we're going to talk about in segment four, I suspect that the Thero- though the Theros Collector Boosters were uh, printed at a higher print run than they were Feral Drain, like I th- I'm hearing 10 to 15% more, um, people seem to be shying away from purchasing them. The less that they open and purchase, the less of these singles are going to be in the market. And since the extended arts are exclusive to those boxes, if nobody opens them, then it helps prop up this card. I, I think it's entirely possible that this stalls out similar to what Emery has done so far, and that you you don't need to rush into these at 10 or 11, that maybe you get as inventory does get open over the next month or so you're going to get a shot at these at the same price in say three months but i'm happy to start onboarding some copies of this now and then every couple weeks decide whether i want more i like thassa's oracle for sure i agree with your assessment that it is probably the most impactful card or close to it in the set especially when you consider uh, aggregate of all the formats standard pioneer edh and you know maybe you know kind of a, a tier below that modern and a tier below that legacy so the guard is clearly doing a lot 11 dollars also for the extended art doesn't seem too bad for me i can imagine buy-in on the not on just a basic pack rare being four or five bucks maybe um which i don't think is an unreasonable price for a popular rare in a standard set that's doing work in a couple formats and reasonably could be six or seven even uh, quite possibly. Take, take a look at the TCG, the listings for the, the extended arts right now. It is insanely shallow for opening week. Ooh, let's take a peek. Uh, 12 listings total, less than 20 copies. Uh, I see 36 vendors. Oh, but I mean, if you're only looking at the non-foils, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, hey, look, I'm on here. <laughs> That's uh, that's really low. I agree that is low. That looks um, like nobody's opening boxes. Yeah, I mean we're ta- we're looking at uh let's see. So, I have collectors boosters on my desk right now that I'm in the middle of opening. Um 
but I the and these came from Europe and I know or no these were local the European ones are mostly still arriving so it looks like the US boxes are out and about uh so we're probably going to see the I would say the peak supply on these are probably what by next weekend when all the English ones have gotten cracked and most of the European ones are here as well so well for instance pro traders have a few hundred boxes coming their way <coughs> so we know just hundred. our people alone um will add some supply to the market um and i would expect europe i'm hearing from europe that boxes are basically going at cost so you can expect those to start getting dumped um either as singles uh sales to major vendors or at you know wholesale deals just to clear the inventory and move on um it's pretty interesting because well we'll get into this in segment four but the bottom line is peak supply somewhere two to four weeks out as one would normally expect yeah i i i like the look of it now i think that you can probably you know if you get a good deal go for it you otherwise you can probably wait a week to three weeks and then reassess you know, if the price has only gone up after three weeks, then you know there's a serious demand for them and, you know, hop in while the getting's good. If three weeks from now the price has dropped two bucks, that's still fine because if you really like the card, you know you're getting it pretty much uh, likely at the bottom. Uh, I mean, really, if I'm seeing copies at ten fifty to $11 um, and the price is down to eight fifty in three weeks, how much lower can you reasonably expect this card to be? It is a two mana card with a win the game clause on it. Um, and which is clearly already accomplishing some things. So I, I, I like the pick. I, I did pull a foil extended art in yep, one of my that. packs here and I listed it for sale because they're going for like 50 something bucks. And I, CK is giving 40 store credit. So I'm going to I'm going to put it on TCG Player to see if I can sell it at the 50-something. But if it doesn't move, I might just send it to CK. Uh, But that's a foil. The non-foils, if I had pulled any, I don't think I would have listed them. And I kind of was thinking about that even before I looked at the sheet here and looked at your pick. The ramp is steep on these because everybody's undercutting each other on TCG, including you. Um, But the reality is that I think that undercutting could continue. It could push the foil EAs down into the 35 or $40 range, not too far in the distant future, at which point they're almost certainly a buy. Cause I just, I, I just don't think there's going to be that many of them floating around. And between the competitive and commander demand, it would be at minimum a solid long-term hold. Yes. Yeah. If you're talking about the foils, I agree. Those are going to be, uh, it'll be interesting to see where they exist in Pioneer, you know, six months to a year from now. But I, ex- you know, you keep in mind we're what eight, nine weeks in the Pioneer is even it's it's less than three months, I think. So the format is still very fresh, very new, uh, and kind of hasn't 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 really found its stride and its pillars yet. But you know, you could definitely see Thassa's Oracle doing a lot of work in this format over the next few years, given that they already have the inverter of truth and jace support and a bunch of blue black control cards that they're only going to get more selection of in the future uh probably becomes a matter of how easily they are targeted by graveyard hate um actually is that even true 
If they no. if you remove their graveyard, you're just helping them, right? That's yeah. You are only helping them. Yeah. Thassa's Oracle itself yeah. doesn't care about <laughs> graveyard, yeah, yeah, and Inverter Truth especially doesn't. Is like, sure, Thanks. please remove my graveyard. Truth. Okay. So yeah, that doesn't make any sense. So I'm not sure what the angle of attack is, um, for the for the deck. It's but... countering Thassa's Oracle basically, or Inverter Truth. Fair. It has to really it has to be counterspell because. Both of them are enter the battlefield effects. Uh, so you have to remove. Like if they yeah, cast. Killing them after it, the fact doesn't do anything. Yeah. If Inverter resolves, it's too late. They've already gotten that effect. And then if Thassa resolves, they've gotten that effect. Neither of them are static abilities that you need in play for it to work. Like Anafenza or something like that, right? It's like you just care about the enter the battlefield trigger for the most part. The only other way you beat them is you kill them first. Or or deny them the combo, which is, you know, what Jund would do. It would just, you know, destroy your hand and it's not really gonna give you the opportunity to cast it. Important to remember that Emery, uh, there was no reason to get in on the regular copies early and extended arts have been more or less consistently in the like low teens, I think, uh, since it was released. You can get Emery's at like two twenty five right now on TCG. That's a great long term hold as well. Um, but it didn't explode to become an eight dollar rare or anything so i think as i said i think oracle has more overall uh demand than emery does uh but it's worth taking a look at what cards of similar rarity from recent sets have done to understand whether you need to be in a rush to move in i agree on the emery thing although i will say that i think that that card was spoiled by pioneer um i think if pioneer hadn't existed emery's story would have been very different because that card was I mean, I mean, I guess Emery's not a big deal in Pine, not huge deal in modern right now. Although, especially with Mox Opal's banning, I don't know. I haven't. I granted, I haven't looked that closely at modern, but I have to imagine the prices on a lot of this stuff in Turnable Drain would have moved a little differently had Pioneer not come around and taken the wind out of some of those card sales. It's interesting to me that Emery only has four hundred and sixty-four. Oh wait, I mean that's not true. That's as a commander. On EDH track, yeah, thirteen hundred decks reported, so one percent of of blue decks run it. Uh, it's probably underplayed, given that every blue artifacts matters commander, and there are like fourteen of them should be running this card. It makes artifacts cost less. You get to put four things in your graveyard, and then you get to start swapping artifacts back and forth, which is like everything you want to be doing. Well. I will say 1% actually, I would think a pretty good return or a pretty good representation for Emery in EDH because it's all blue decks. So there are a lot of blue commanders that care about artifacts, but there are a lot of blue decks that don't really care about artifacts and don't really care about the... I mean, I'm pretty sure I called Emery EAs at about the same price at about the same time, and you can still get them in Mm -hmm. the 10 to 11 range, but... There aren't that many left. Like, if, if you bought 10 or 15 Emery's online tonight between 10 and 12, you might push the price closer to 14 or 15. And then there's, there's no further supply. This is the thing. Like, sure, your EA didn't get there in three months. So what? Be patient. Six months, nine months, 12 months out, it could easily be a different story, especially if, you know, Emery Kethis takes off in Pioneer or something um, and starts putting up you know, more consistent results than it already is, which is reasonably consistent as is. 
Um, I have. No, I, I think I'll be buying some of both. Like I, I think I want some more Emery's while they are still sitting on the shelf, and I want some Oracles. I don't. I'm not in a rush to stockpile a huge amount of them, but I'm. As I said, I'm willing to buy up or down this ramp. Well, that's probably the the important takeaway here is that we're still talking about Throne of Eldraine, which was in October, and it is January. It has been three months, and also historically, uh, October through January is like this one of the slowest points for magic. Uh, it usually picks back up around now, mid February is where it starts gaining its speed again. Um, so, like the fact that the EAs haven't exploded in one of the the slowest parts of the year in Magic is, isn't is a death knell. It just means it might be on a slightly longer track. And the point about them not coming, you know, they're not being any more out there is very valid. So, uh, you know, the, rather than a three-month turnaround or a six-month turnaround, even maybe they're a year turnaround. But, like, they're still probably going to get there just by virtue of being so few. Yeah, we're on the same page. What's your first pick? Well, my first pick this week is one that I think I wrote about probably a couple months ago, maybe on the Watchtower, um, but I felt like it wasn't unreasonable to revisit. That's Rankle, Master of Pranks, uh, the non-foil extended arts um, are currently about $16, excuse me, $16 or so. Uh, I wouldn't have anticipated Rankle, Master of Pranks being a competitive staple at the outset of Eldraine. However, it has worked its way up to the 12th most played creature in Pioneer. Sur- surprising to me, but he's a really consistent three of in the mono black decks, which have really hung in there in Pioneer also kind of surprised me. Um, doesn't look like that's going anywhere. Doesn't look like black's going anywhere. Doesn't look like wrinkles going anywhere. So he's really doing a good job there. Uh, and with extended arts at that price, that definitely leaves some, uh, the, the, the inventory on that has been draining. Uh, like we've just spent the last couple of minutes saying it's not going to get any bigger. You are looking at, let me get the exact number here. 32 non-foil vendors right now. Um, the cheapest cut co- on TCG. Yeah, yeah. Cheapest copies are 16. Uh, they're at 20 relatively quickly. Um, and then they kind of go from there. Doesn't look like anyone has more than a place at most people have one, maybe two. So, you know, there's a couple more copies on, I'm sure star city channel fireball and what have you, but overall, you know, if we're talking about extended art mythics, which, um, during the throne of all collectors boosters were basically close to the rarest card that you could pull. They don't, they don't warp because they're not foil. So this is like the cool version of Rankle, essentially. Uh, there is going to be some EDH appeal. Um, it's not a huge a huge draw in that format, but definitely people will play it. 800 so, X reported so far. As, as non-commander, right? Just, just a card. Yeah, so, which is not, again, not stellar, but like not terrible. Uh, but overall, I think that the the appeal here is a competitive, a competitive staple and the coolest version of the competitive staple at 16 bucks for the and an extended art mythic probably 30 ish dollars would be my out here um, which isn't a double up but i mean considering you can probably sell these in triples uh that's that's a nice chunk of change you're looking at close to probably you know after fees 35 to 40 dollars if you move three at a time um and it could could hit 40 i suppose 
Uh, probably have to wait a little longer for that, but um, that's my my perspective on Wrinkle. Buy list support is in the ten to twelve dollar range, so not terrible. And the the thing about Wrinkle in the mono black decks is that it flies for one. That's a nice ability in that deck for you know getting your final points of damage in. It has haste, so it can do that quickly. And both the dis- both players discarding a card and sacking a creature leans in on the number of black creatures that you get to recurse out of your graveyard. Like if you have to throw away a gutter bones or uh, one of the other black creatures that comes back, you don't care as much as maybe your your opponent does. You might have to either sack a hydroid crassus or discard a valuable creature. So there's a bunch of neat little synergies that just happen to play well in that archetype. Uh, I suspect this is going to be a longer hold. The rares, the mythic rares from extended arts from Throne of Eldraine are the rarest cards there are. The foils much more so than the non-foils, of course. Um, and it's unclear how many people are going to bling out their mono black deck in Pioneer. But I suspect more and more as time goes on, if the deck continues to survive in the format. And... I don't love this on a three-month or six-month hold, but on a 12-month hold, I could see it draining up to at least $25 and giving people a solid exit, you know, maybe a few bucks on buy list at minimum. So Okay. And and I and we're definitely past peak supply, so I can't see it going the other direction. The only way that happens is if this deck falls off the radar for Pioneer. So that would be the thing to watch out for. I, and I agree with that. If anything was going to chop the legs out from underneath this card, it would be mono black dine and pioneer but i mean if it survives smuggler's copter it seems to be hanging out for at least a little while yeah i I think it's probably a solid deck for 2020 but i guess we'll see how it goes the um also worth noting that i didn't point out one of the flaws with oracle oracle could get banned or something around it could get banned um maybe not in every format but in one format i think it's possible because it is cards that win the game that easily if it gets the wrong piece that slips through play design in a year full of push sets, then Oracle could be even nastier than it already is. Uh, yeah, that's possible, I suppose. It's not super high on my list of concerns, I suppose, but I think that it is a valid concern. I'm just not putting it quite that high. But yeah, yeah. Mostly because as a combo piece, it's not obnoxious, I guess. My next one is hmm. a pretty obvious one. I think everybody has this on their radar if they've been paying attention to MGG Finance and or Commander, <coughs> especially in the year of Commander, as it seems 2020 is set up to be. Card in question is Nyxbloom Ancient, a mythic out of Theros Beyond Death. Uh, non-foils I'm talking about here. I was picking up copy, got a brick of these in Europe the other day at like $7.75 or something like that. In North America, you're probably going to be paying somewhere between 9 and 12 depending on where you're getting them and what kind of coupon you're using. Um, so hard for me to imagine that this doesn't just get there as a $20 Mythic. Such such an obvious, casual card. Triples your mana. That's just going to sell well in, in, in card cases for years. Uh, in Commander, it's the kind of card that is going to instant win games a lot of the time, so it kind of depends what other pieces are around it, but it costs 7, so probably most of the feedback I've heard so far is that it's not bannable in the format. Like, it's it's pushed, but not Paradox Engine pushed, so 
that there is some ban potential for Commander, which is certainly the Lynchman format. It's got a slight chance at being a competitive card. It was it certainly exists as a combo deck in standard right now. I don't but I don't see that deck anywhere in, in results so far, so could easily just have been a meme deck. Um bottom line is this is a card that I expect to have strong demand, uh, even though it's mostly about Commander. Um, and Bylas agree too. This is opening week. A lot of cards from a, a newly opened set should basically not even show up on Bylas week one, especially if they're not competitive cards that require four ofs. But CK is already offering $12 US on this, and you can pick up copies elsewhere at 10 To have arbitrage on a card that came out six days ago is crazy. I am actually kind of shocked that this card was 10 bucks. Like, I saw it on here, and I'm like, Nick's Blue Mansion's only $10? Like, this is mythic, right? Like, I'm not crazy. Yep. And it, and it was at 25 like, a week ago, but it's the race to the bottom now. So this is, we're seeing a, a real low. And it could hang out here for a while, but I'm so happy to have, like, I think I ordered 50 of these in Europe. I'm just <laughs> expecting to sit on them for a year. And it could be sooner. Keep in mind that Smothering Tithe was basically a commander-only card last year around this time. Also a winter set, but it was a rare, not a mythic. And it doubled or tripled within six months. Yeah, I think that this card is absurd. Honestly, I'm... I'm of the opinion that it is bannable in EDH, and I would be kind of surprised if it doesn't get banned within a year, maybe a year or so. Uh, maybe I'll be wrong. Um, it happens every now and then. But uh, I think the card is awesome. I'm kind of very surprised it's only $10 for what I would consider like the banner EDH mythic out of the set. And not just like a banner EDH mythic, but a really obvious, everyone who plays a green deck would probably find room for it. Like, a level of EDH staple that you only get once every several sets type of thing. Um, I think it's a terribly boring and uninteresting card, but I also think people will play the hell out of it. So I will go look for copies at $10 on the stores where I have credit and see if I can snag some at that price, because that is, I think, uh, very tempting. Yeah, for our listeners in the EU or Japan, where Commander is less of a thing, absolutely be snapping these up. Like, this could be a foundational element of your buy list plan back to North America this year. People, some of my contacts in Japan said they were finding copies at, like, 4 to $5. Whew. And, Whew. and keep in mind that that means there's going to be extended art and extended art foil Japanese copies floating around getting snapped up. And, again, Japanese... Uh, Collector booster boxes are extremely rare. They don't leave Japan much. Vendors outside Japan don't get any inventory of those. So foil extended art, Nyx Bloom Agent, and Thassa's Oracle, etc. are going to be very expensive cards down the road. Dang, that would be Underworld extended art. Extended Japanese art. Ja- extended art Japanese foil, Nyx Bloom Ancients. It's going to be going to be pretty nifty. Yeah. So I like Nyx Bloom Agent. I bought some. You should probably buy some. I like this this entry point, but if you want to wait and see if it gets a little lower, feel free. Wait for a coupon day, whatever. Do your thing. Yep. But I find it hard to believe this this card is not going to get there. Uh, I am right there with you. All right, your next pick. My next pick is uh, Mutavault. Um, probably basically every copy, but specifically the uh, M14 non-foils, and I'm saying this out loud, did you 
picked this recently. I, I thought so too, and I went back looking and couldn't find an entry where. Okay. Because like as I I didn't think about it until just this minute as I'm saying the words out loud I'm like why does it sound familiar I, I want to say ears? I want to say it made it into one of your articles in the last three months that's possible I wrote about a lot of cards in the last three months but Mutavault right now uh, you have the M14 copies the champs well the champs copies yes although those don't even really count. Um, those are $500, so good luck. The M14 copies, the Morning Tide copies, which is ancient, and then the GP promos. Now, the Mutavault M14 non-foils, uh, you will pay about $19 for. Um, there are, I don't know, looks like 12 vendors. Nobody has more than two um, interesting thing to point out there is you, the foils are actually um, close. One guy has a foil at 18 bucks, but the shipping's high. So if you pay, buy a couple other cards from him, you can get an $18 foil, which is actually cheaper than you will pay for the non-foils. Um, the foils are at 20 and 25 though, which is very close to that 18 or 19 price point on the non-foils. The GP promos uh start at looks like 21 22 but there's only six vendors uh one guy has 16 of them uh with shared shipping at 19 dollars, so that's tempting uh and then the morning tide aren't very different here uh, the price points are a little higher on those across the board so supply on mutavault is real low uh across the board and if you're wondering why it is the six most played uh land in pioneer which means you've got the five basics and then mutable. So it is very popular in that format. Um, drawing fast. And I, you know, the last time we saw, we saw a GP promo. So there's some of them out there, but you know, last time we saw like non foils was M14, which was 2013, which will be seven years ago this summer. Um, I think that overall you would be hard pressed to miss buying Mutavault under 20. You're probably looking at 30, 35, $40 copies here, I would guess by summer. Maybe it'll take a little bit longer, but I definitely like your outlook here. I think I like non-foils better than foils. There's a slight chance the foils are going to show up in the mystery boosters at the LGS level. Mm-hmm. Um but they will not have a non-foil counterpart if that's the case. Uh, non-foils tend to sell better in the, for competitive cards anyway. I mean, foils always sell a little little worse than, or a lot worse, depending on which format you're talking about, um, but especially so in competitive circles. Um, this has been on everybody's radar basically more or less since we knew that, that Pioneer was a thing, and people. this is one of the earlier cards people flagged as maybe we should be picking some of these up. So there was definitely people snapping up GP promos at 10 bucks in October. 18 for the non-foils is a further up the curve, but if it doesn't catch a reprint in six months, I don't see what holds this back from draining out. Yeah, and if it's not mono black, somebody's... I mean, clearly decks are using this card. Uh, mono black makes use of it, but like all of these decks are going to be making use of Mutable. It's an absurd land. Um, and I agree with you that the non-foils are probably better if only because you know you'll sell them. You know, the foils, the prices may look really tempting, but you're not just going to, you're just not going to sell those as often. But, you know, the non-foils, like, hey, if you want to play a deck with Mutavault in it, this is what you're buying, uh, because the cheapest one you can get. 
So you'll know that even though the percentage gains might be lower, you can definitely sell them. Yep, I'm on board. Uh, it's also the only foil of the... Uh, wait, no, you didn't even call it foils. It's called non-foils. We have no foils on this list this week. Our listeners will be so happy. My foil Mutavault is a... Mutavault can be both, so it's like half of a foil. Sure. My next pick is late to the game. People were telling me to make this a pick... I mean, we're gonna. I'm gonna have to go back and give partial credit to a few of the users in the Pro Trader Discord because this was people's pick repeatedly three, four, five weeks ago. Uh, Leyline of the Void out of uh, Core Twenty was down as low as what six, seven dollars a little while ago. Sounds about right. Uh, now currently at about $10, I think 10 to 16 within the year looks pretty solid looking for a buy list exit. It is currently the seventh most played card in Pioneer. 20% of, 21% of decks are running it on Magic Online with average of 3.3 copies. There's It got a promo pack printing, but that doesn't seem to be slowing it at all. And buy list support is looking very strong, like very kind of... Cl- closing in on retail price so this is this has been an important card in modern sideboards for ages just caught a reprint last summer but it was corset people got in early are going to do very well people getting in this late you could pass if you like higher ROIs. this is there are other other choices here that i think are more solid like i'd rather have more in explanations before my first ley line of the void at this price but if you need a personal set, it's definitely not going lower from where it is right now. So you, you, there's no reason to hold off any further. And if you wanted to get in on, you know, eight or 12 copies of this, I couldn't blame you. Uh, yeah, that's, those are, yeah, that's compelling for sure. Uh, the price point is good. That's way more play and pioneer than I anticipated. Um, I guess there's more graveyard going on in Pioneer than I noticed, I guess. But that's, uh, I like where that's all going. And seems like you've, you mean, you faded the mystery packs, right? Yep. The GP mystery packs. So you would only be battling the foils and the store. The, sp- the store promo packs, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, whatever, like you're looking at the non-foils here anyways. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty much spot on. I think I, I think I like Nyx Bloom Ancient at 10 more but that doesn't mean that i don't like leyline of the void at all because again that's a competitive staple so you'll know you'll sell it and you'll probably sell multiple copies at a time yeah the ley lines can get rid of a bunch of the black creatures that come back from their graveyards they can get rid of stuff out of golgari soul flayer decks um they probably do work against breach lotus storm uh the lotus field decks that are running underworld breach because they want to cast a bunch of stuff out of their graveyard right uh that's what underworld breach does sets up a yes 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 okay i was thinking about the possibility storm deck yes they do use a graveyard quite a bit and would also be useful against uh, arclight phoenix if it popped back up on the radar although it doesn't really seem to be part of the metagame right now (laughs) that one's in and out um yeah solid looking for sure all right i've got also got a bonus pick here um, this is more of an uh, European arbitrage play that I noticed for those of our members over there or people in our Pro Trader Discord that have reach into Europe uh, through our setup. Um, Torbran, Thane of Red Fell out of Eldraine. Buy list for 
$2.80 or something like that on CK. And you can pick up copies for a dollar to a dollar fifty over in Europe. So if you're heading to a European GP or got a local shop with some deep inventory um, or you use cardmarket.com um, or you've got a trading partner over there, these are all situations in which you might be wanting to snap up some tour brands. Not impossible that you might find copies that cheap that are uh, out of date on pricing in North America as well, but it's certainly more of an arbitrage play. This card could get up to 4 or $5 buy list within a year um, if it keeps posting up winning tournaments or posting up good results in the red decks and pioneer as a four of i was actually looking at this earlier and was wondering if i was supposed to pick it i ended up passing on it because it was you know it was new enough that i wasn't eager to look at it as a spec choice especially as like a two of or sideboardy red card but i mean if the arbitrage opportunity is there i mean i it doesn't need me or you to support it right like the money's on the table it's it's there so uh i mean that's obvious well if we look Um, at if we look at the you know segueing into section three here uh metagame we can review the pioneer challenge that took place on magic online on the 27th so yesterday that was uh, monday ran for torbrand main they were uh, one Chandra Torch of Defiance, four Abbot of Carol Keep, four Bonecrusher Giant, uh, four Goblin Chain Whirler, three Kari Zev Skyship Raider, four Monastery Swift Spear, four Soul Scar Mage, four Torbrand Thane of Red Fell, four Lightning Strike, four Wild Slash. Uh, yeah, I mean, some of the decks will make more use of him than others. Um, I mean, my concern is that we're talking about a rare from, uh, let me just double check here. Eldrain. Yeah, Eldrain. So. He's, yeah, there's going to be a high enough supply that, like, I'm not terribly excited about trying to spec on a fall set non-foil red rare. Uh, But, again, arbitrage is another story. No, that's just it. It's definitely, it's not, to spec on this, you're waiting for the it to be 5 or $6 down the road. This is definitely more of an arbitrage call out. Yeah, 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 which right. works. So let's move on over to these uh, these Pioneer results. Uh, the Pioneer Pioneer Challenge on the 27th was the red deck I just mentioned. Second place was the blue-white uh, Flyers list that includes the Empyrean Eagle we talked about earlier. Also, four Brazen Borrower, which is going to keep that card nice and high uh, for the foreseeable future, since that's the only Mythic in that deck. Yeah, the only Mythic. Sideboard or main. Um, we've also got third place was one of the black decks running the Rankle Master of Pranks. Fourth place was Blue-White Control with an assortment of Planeswalkers, another Brazen Borrower, an Approach to the Second Sun, four Supreme Verdict. Foil of Supreme Verdicts, Pack Foil Supreme Verdicts have sold very well for me lately. Sell like one or two of them a week uh, okay. for an easy double up. Um, Blue-White, no, Green, no, Mono-White, uh, Walking Ballista, Heliod, Suncrowned. This one's fascinating. It it's uh, It's a Heliod deck. Um, it makes uh, it's got the two Daxos in there. It's basically, but Heliod it's, humans. Yeah, and it's got a, it's got a couple things going on here. You got the Militia Bugler who looks for you know small creatures. Um, it's got two Tomic, a Distinguished Advocate, which is prevents lands on battlefield and land cards in graveyards can't be the target of spells, and your opponents can't play lands from the graveyard. Um, but he's got green in there for the collected company. Uh, and he's also playing Nykthos for, you know, essentially 
mono white Nyx, Nyx, Nyctos build here. Uh, it's a it's an interesting deck. He basically took the Walk and Blissa Heliod combo and built a shell for it, essentially. Yeah, just jammed it into White Weenie for all intents and purposes. Yeah, but like White Weenie didn't it, it didn't really exist in Pioneer, right? Like yeah. I don't remember seeing this as a as a strategy anywhere. I also see the three Charming Prints, which my uh, extended arts definitely like. Yeah, I've got a few of those myself. I think I have some Japanese ones too. Um, sixth place was the blue red shrapnel blast uh, Bomat courier deck. This is actually probably the most prominent place that Emery pops up in Pioneer lately. They usually run Emery as a two of um, Bomat couriers, Ginger Brutes, Hope of Garipur, Skilled Animator, Stone Coil Serpent, and Soul Artifact, etc. Um, that deck's been consistent. Uh, the blue black Inverter of Truth passes Oracle deck in seventh place, and another big red deck in eighth. So. Uh, most of the, the usual suspects, except the new blue-black deck. Okay. Uh, well, wait. Seventh place was the Inverter of Truth deck. Yeah, that's what I said. I thought. Oh, I thought you said all the usual. It. I said all the usual suspects, except for the blue-black. Oh, oh, except for. Oh, yeah. Okay. Over in the Pioneer Preliminary, which was the same day, uh, it was won by a blue-white uh, take on mono-white devotion. I guess the blue is really just... Actually, it's still mono-white. The Arcanist Owl, I guess, technically blue. Uh, this was a different build, though. This was Elsaid of Life's Bounty out of Theros. Still has Anafenza Tree Kin Spirit, but they run four Arcanist Owl. Three Daxos instead of two. Only one Heliod here, uh, God of the Sun, uh, but four of the Sun Crowned. So five Heliods total. Four Knight of the White Orchid, four Thraben Inspector, four Walking Ballista, and then Enchantments, two Quarantine Field, and three Stasis Snare, differentiating from the uh, the list in the other top eight. And then the four one was a red deck that was running four Phoenix of Ash, notably. Um, extended Arts might be worth a look if they get cheap enough. And then Rimrock Knights uh, out of ex- out of Eldrain, which is a common. Maybe the uh, storybook adventure version would be... Uh, something to look at if that's stuck there otherwise uh, I, pretty similar yeah i would i would say the the next interesting deck here is um if you jump down a couple four ones there's an, the mono white deck pops up again so now we've seen uh the heliod walking ballista combo in the uh what was that the other pioneer event and then two more copies here the same day uh this one looks is a collective company build we saw from the other event but definitely seeing some real success here which has got me looking at a couple of these cards to see if there's any meat on the bone for some of these um, if the collective company build is the right build and people keep playing modern this year and a collective company deck does okay there with heliod then company could certainly see some, gain some ground yeah i mean it feels like it's been cheaper than it's supposed to have been for a while I'm also not in a huge rush to unload the really dirt-cheap Heliods that I opened in my Collector Booster packs. I've kind of been holding off on those. I've been unloading Elspeth and Ashiox happily because I'm just not seeing play patterns beyond standard for either of them. But Heliod looks real in, in at least three formats, Pioneer, Modern, and Standard, um, and probably does some work in Commander as well along the way. And I think <coughs> I think the extent... the um, showcase versions of Heliod were down to ten bucks over the weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Suncrowned. I, I just listed mine, and I know they weren't. 
There weren't a ton. Showcase is currently at... Oh, it's a little higher than that. They're at 18 for the showcases. Um, but, I, but I would expect them to slide. Like, there's going to be a lot of competition coming into the market on these, so I would expect undercutting to get these down to 12 or 14 shortly enough, at which point I think they're almost certainly a buy. I mean, people are talking about how showcase gods are way more common um, than was expected. I raised the flag on this last week based on data we got from some of the bigger box-cracking vendors in Europe, which basically said that out of 115 packs of Eldraine, you would have opened 15 borderless Okos, for instance. Sorry, that's a bad example. You would have opened 15 Brazen Borrower Showcase um, with the alt art. Whereas in 115 packs of Throne of, El- uh, of Theros, you will get something like 32 or 33 Heliod Suncrowned Constellation version. So they're basically the Showcase Mythics, in Theros are twice as populous as they were in Eldraine. It's interesting though because only Brazen Bo- there was only two showcase mythics in Eldraine, uh Realm Cloaked Giant and Brazen Borrower. Only Brazen Borrower really matters. In this set, Heliod's demand profile is much higher than even Brazen Borrower's was, but there are twice as many of the constellation versions. So what is the correct price on a four of mythic in multiple formats? that has a couple of different versions and maybe slightly more copies in the market total given the collector boosters. My gut says as long as the Heliod combo stays real but doesn't get banned, then there's going to be a good entry point on these. I think they're a hold. That that is that's compelling. I don't disagree with that. I guess it's a question of whether or not the collective company builds the right build for it, which I don't I don't feel like we can really realistically have a beat on at this point in time. Right? Well, whether it's like, collective company or not, Heliod's still gonna be in the format. Like whether whether it's the all enchantments all in on enchantments version with the the uh, exiling effects in enchantment form, or it's a collective company version or some other version. The only real question is, is Ballista Heliod going to be a mainstay in these formats? If it is, then the best version of it in non-foil should present an entry point somewhere here in in peak supply. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a fair point. And I I do like the combo. You know, I like the combo itself for sure. I think that is probably going to be good enough overall. So... So yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, probably next weekend or the weekend after, there's probably the right point to get in on Heliod uh, if it hasn't gotten away from you by that point already. Keeping in mind that there are there's a triple GP weekend across three continents at the end of this month that we are... Wait, isn't it this weekend? Yeah, it's this weekend. Is that the Pioneer one? Yeah. So I would expect, you know, some Heliods to get sucked up this weekend off GP floors. Uh, yeah, most likely, most likely. You know, people hmm. people will see these results that we're looking at and start build- and put the deck together for the event. Yes, I would anticipate. This weekend is going to be... I, I, sus- I, I wonder how many people are going to look at this weekend as the jumping off point for them, for Pioneer. I'm going to see how things go. You know, let the format kind of figure itself out. And then once that happens, now I will 
make a point to go build a deck, right? Let that be what settles the format for me. I don't know. I, it's hard to say because I don't quite know how people are treating all of this. The, the thing, I'm, the way I'm looking at it is the Constellation Heliods, at worst, are the same price as regular Heliods. Mm-hmm. So what's the correct price for a Mythic 4 of? Then you have to modify it a bit because the collector boosters are adding, do add more mythics into the market per pack opened. So if a bunch of the collector boosters get opened, cracked for singles because they're not selling sealed, then it's going to dump a whole bunch of Heliods for a period of time. But there's no resupply on the, that source for the rest of the year. Because once those dry up, they just never come back again. Like We've seen no evidence that Wizards has multiple print runs of collector boosters because the timelines are too short. There's a new standard set every three months, so there's no time to be going back to the well of the collector boosters. So they printed more of the Theros ones, and that matters. But it only matters to whatever degree they get opened. And so far, they're selling poorly, which leads me to believe they're not being opened, as we already discussed. So, <clears throat> I don't know. If Heliod is a four, a four of modern mythic, say, if we were talking about this a year ago, we'd be looking at it to go 20, 30, 40, right? Yeah, probably, right? I mean, if it's, you know, the showcases are more common than they were, but it's still, you know, if you're getting a lot of pioneer play out of this thing and then any amount of standard play at all, I mean, even if it's just a pioneer. And modern. That's still pretty solid. Yeah, modern, yeah. Yeah, it's still pretty solid. And yeah, I agree. I mean, I would probably be going out for the showcase copies too because they're cool looking and they're different. Um, and supply is, you know, generally going to be a lot tighter on that. Again, no resupply. I, 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 Heliod to me seems like the real deal. So there's there probably is supposed to be an entry. There, there's very likely is an entry point over the next three weeks that you're supposed to buy in on. I, I honestly don't know what the right, correct choice is. I suspect that that's true, but this is the the. The status with these mythics is a little weird. The whole situation with the collector boosters is a little weird. So we'll have to see how it plays out, I suppose. Um, I don't think I'm going to go deep on it just because I think there's other options. Like things like Nyx Bloom Ancient don't have that same problem. Like there's no... Uh, the thesis there is a little clearer to me, um, even if the demand is limited to Commander. Um, but an argument could be made to go in either direction. So do as you will, folks. Well, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no point in belaboring this. I, oh. I, I think that there's probably... I, I also probably like Nyx Bloom Ancient more um, because we know that it's going to be good in EDH. We know that EDH is popular. We know that EDH sells cards. We don't have to wonder about any of that. Heliod's a bit more of a question mark, but Heliod also has the opportunity to see a pretty significant spike. Whereas I don't think Nyx Bloom's going to catch anyone off guard. Put it this way. I don't think Heliod can be a like 12 to $14 card a year from now. If it's seeing tri-format play. Uh, yeah, that sounds fair. That sounds fair. It, it could be the most played mythic from this year, next year, in which case I'd expect it to be a $30 plus card. Uh, are you talking about including standard? I'm looking only at standard legal sets, like not talking about you know Urza or Yagmoth from MH1. 
But when but you say most played, you're talking most about... Most played across the most important formats. Standard, Pioneer, Modern, and EDH. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. All right, so over to the Modern preliminary from this afternoon. Um, actually, I guess it was yesterday. Uh, five a list. Here's my Emery's. Three Tezzeret, Agent, Agent of Bolas, three Emery, Lurker, Valak, four Urza, Lord, High Artificer, still doing work, even though uh, one of his toys got banned. Three Archmage's Charm, two Fatal Push, three Whir of Invention, and then the usual uh, assortment of artifacts, including the Thopter Foundry Sword of the Meat combo. Mm-hmm. Finally, finally making strides in modern. It took a while. Uh, the death of the format, but there it is. <laughs> well, I mean, this is like black, mono black surviving Smuggler's Copter, right? Or is it still doing work? Yeah. So there was another 5-0 list that was basically Baral. Uh, so Storm combo, Empty the Warren, Scrape Shot, Pass and Flames, etc. Um, and then 4-1 was the Neoform Eldritch Evolution deck uh, with Chancellors of the Tangle, etc. Primeval Titan, uh, according to Daniel Fournier, the best positioned modern deck right now. Uh Running a single copy of Uro Titan of Nature's Wrath. I'm also seeing that four Dryad of the Illusion Grove in that list. Yep. So I'd keep your eye on the cheapest possible copies of those extended arts because those are certainly should be on our radar. I'm writing an article this week about the five most like most important cards from Theros, and that card will be on the list. I I will tell you that uh, Chancellor of the Tangles have, are like a dollar now. They had spiked um, a little while ago to some number of dollars, and they've they've lost all of that ground essentially, and they're not moving really. So it's not not great looking for th- that. That deck is not moving those cards at all. Yeah, I, I see. This is very much a niche style deck. Like when these decks pop up on on the radar, speculators go in on them hard, but it doesn't. It's so much less likely that a bunch of players will drop the deck they're playing to switch over into these kind of decks. Um, I, I think Dredge is in that same category. So is like a Past and Flames deck. Like specific players are interested in those decks. They they attract a lower percentage of the meta, even when they're good. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Combo decks in general are a little less attractive to the average player than any other deck type although it's not a new combo that requires people to buy all sorts of new cards the pieces you know that the core of that deck has been around essentially so it's not that hard for someone to pivot into it in the dredge deck in modern that 4-1 to this this uh, prelim two ox of agonas in the main otherwise more or less what you would expect to see there uh, the card is like silly good in dredge i didn't really think about it until dan pointed it out and i was like damn and, I was not kidding. And then further to our points about Heliod Suncrowned, 4-1 in a uh, you know combo build that is green-white creature combo, now with one extra combo, four collected company, four once upon a time, and then all the usual pieces of that combo, or multiple combos. Anna Fenza's Heliod, Kishenfink's Ranger Captain, and uh, Giver of Runes to protect the, the combos. While you're setting up Spike Feeder and Walking Ballista, etc. Okay. So okay. Heliod posting up results in multiple formats, as discussed. Um, 
And then mostly the usual suspects. I don't see he- anything here that's super surprising. There's a Bant uh, mid-range control list that's running running Ice Fang Quaddles, you know, post Oko still a lot of the cards that were that were in the Bant Oko deck just without Oko. Now they're they're using Uro and they've got the Stoneforge Mystic into Batter Skull and Sword of Feast and Famine to fill up those slots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alright. And I don't know. But... The, the only thing that's interesting here is that they ran an Elspeth Sun's Nemesis alongside two Jace the Mind Sculptor and two Teferi Time Raveler. <laughs> which seemed a little uh I'm curious whether that tested well. The deck only went 3-2. Uh, but it did show up in, the, in another version of the deck right after it. So there was two, ver- two, two pilots, same deck. Both went 3-2. Well, best of luck to you guys. Living the dream over there. All right, so moving on to segment four. We just wanted to talk a little bit about the Theros Collector Booster Boxes. Our, uh, <clears throat> I got my hands on some on Friday. Uh, you did as well because I apparently I forgot that I pre-ordered some to your house, <clears throat> and you have some coming in from Europe. So we did a little tradesy. I realized <clears throat> as I was uh, looking over my notes uh, heading into the cast, it's actually a little funnier than than we realized. You have stuff coming from Europe. I pre-ordered those in the U.S. to your place. My dad has pre-ordered some here in Toronto. So you're going to open mine and replace them with the ones from Europe. I'm going to open my dad's and you're going to send him the ones that I get when yours come in from Europe. <laughs> sure. So we've got everybody's opening product in the wrong country. <laughs> Whatever. It's all going so to work out. The important thing is that I am, as we're recording, I am cracking these packs. Um, I opened four boxes uh, because these have, oh, man, these damn boxes. So Throne of Eldraine <laughs> Collector's Boosters come out. I chose not to get involved because I wanted, you know, I didn't want to make any rash decisions. I wanted to see where the product went. I knew that if they were successful, I'd have another chance three months later. Um, you guys did a good job with your Eldraine Collector's Boosters. And I was like, okay. Um, you know, I didn't pre-order any of the boxes. But, uh, you know, we're looking at the... You, there was an episode where you ran all the numbers on supply and what have you. And I was like, okay, this is definitely an opportunity. I'm going to go after some of the singles instead. So of course the single that I bought the most of out of the throne of all drain collectors boosters was, uh, extended our Oko's. So, uh, good job for me for picking the, the, the best card out of the lot. Uh, <laughs> well, if, if I remember correctly, we both did that and both left them sitting on our desk and never traded them in when they got high. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to take like sole credit for this. I'm just saying like the one card that I chose to buy was Oko. Well, uh, that was definitely the most money out of all the buys. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you were right. Or we 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 were smart and listened to the people who said he was good. We just didn't realize how good he was going to end up being. Uh, so I got daggered. Well, but really bad. But, on I, but I would boxes. but I would argue that. It's not that we got it wrong that he was too good. It's just that we were busy and didn't get around to selling them, which is a different issue. Uh, I, I mean, I don't feel bad. Like you had a, you had at least a four-week opportunity to get out. So did I. 
And in fact, I, we talked about it at one point and then didn't get out. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We had the opportunity, but I guess my thought is it was all, uh, I was never making money on it. I was all, at all points in time. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I bought with credit at, at <clears throat> Channel Fireball. Okay. So I was paying like 110 or 120 or something. For foils. Which was, yes, for foils, which was like, 10 bucks more than TCG low or 20 bucks more than TCG low, but it was all store credit. Right. So like, I didn't really mind as much and I'm like, that's fine. These are going to be $200 anyways. Um, so I could have sold, I basically would have taken, if I had sold at the absolute peak, I would have taken probably a small loss, which of course in retrospect would have been fine. But the greater point here was that I skipped buying the sealed Eldraine collectors boosters, only bought singles and the single that I bought ended up getting banned before I could really feel good getting out. So I got hit there. So now Theros Beyond Death rolls around. I'm like, okay, I remember what happened with the Eldraine, put me in for four boxes and by the time four of them land on my desk, they're selling for less than we paid for them. That's like, God damn it. <laughs> so December 4th, the foil price of those those borderless Okos was $155. Uh, yeah. So you, you, had a, you had a reasonable exit. You just wanted more. I'm not. So I'm not. I'm not. I am not agreeing to that card ever having been $150 on TCG player. Market foil the same day was something like 130. So in theory, you could have flipped 520, probably offered somebody 499 a place at around that time on social media or something and got out ahead. Mm-hmm. And, and keep in mind, the dagger is two sided. Like I'm pointing it at my own heart too, because <laughs> my stack of them is sitting on the corner of my desk looking very forlorn. So I did all the same things. <clears throat> I'm not trying foil, to say I had foils that, like, and non-foils and I was up significantly on both because my entry on the foils was like 80 retail and not credit and on the non-foils I think I was in at 35 so my exits were even better and I still didn't sell them my goal is not to say that I was uh, a, an, an injured party through no fault of my own it was merely to highlight that I chose not to get involved at the on the sealed boxes, which was a, a miss, sure, which was a miss, but that's fine. I was okay with that. Uh, the alternative strategy I chose ended up screwing me. And then when I chose the quote unquote correct path this time around, it was also wrong. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Why is it wrong? The, the throne of Eldraine boxes were flipping close to 300 for a little while because the print run size that Wizards chose did not quite meet demand. So at least for the first two or three weeks, it did eventually catch up to the point where I think they go for about 240 to 250 now online. Um, So, which is a less exciting exit. But for people that got their boxes early and flipped them via pre-sale, which is what I did, I unloaded, I don't know, maybe eight to 12 total uh, that way. It worked out not spectacular, but very solid. Um, you know, money back plus 25 or 30% after all fees. Um, and so when we pr- then turned around and basically pre-booked Pharaoh's uh, collector booster boxes for our pro trader members as early as, I want to say, first week in November was the first deal that we struck. Um, we were locking that in at 
210 to 215 depending on which buy you're talking about thinking that that was a little more than we had paid on the throne ones but those went well enough that the vendors didn't want to sell them that cheap anymore and europe had had their prices uh, raised by wizards so the cost price had gone up um, narrowing the margin for everybody involved so we figured at 210 we might be able to unload between 260 and 280 via pre-sale but in this but that just never showed up that 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 the market responded differently this time. Vendors apparently heard that they were getting more product than last time, so they started undercutting each other to a greater degree and pushed prices way down low. And I've seen prices, I've heard tell of prices locally as low as 205, 210, 215. I picked up uh, boxes here in Toronto around 200 um, that were uh, on the basis that we had offers from Europe that were coming in that this week that were as low as 180 185 because it's to the point now where these things are selling so poorly in europe that vendors are just looking to unload them at cost so the 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 next question then is if the sealed product isn't doing well and doesn't present an exit is cracking it the right strategy and i decided to crack mine because i a didn't want to get stuck holding for some long period of time b figured there were some cards in here i was going to want anyway and C, I had a suspicion that the market was not valuing the sealed boxes correctly because the formulation had changed from Eldraine to here. Now, how familiar are you with the changes to that formulation? Um, I saw what you put on Twitter um, well, regarding the, the changes in Mythics and all that. Well, or are you talking about the pack Well, the, com- the comments I made on Twitter were a little different. What I was saying there was what we talked about earlier, that the showcase Mythics are more populous overall versus the regular Mythics. Like, there's basically twice as many showcase as there was in Eldraine. That's a different thing. That's Gods versus Brazen Borrower and, and uh, Realm Cloak Giant, for the most part. Oh, okay. Um, I'm talking about the formulation of the collector boosters themselves. So let's just go over that for Theros Beyond Death. We have eight foil commons, uncommons, uh, or basic lands, all of which are basically worthless. Like, there's a few exceptions, because there's a few uncommons that are going to be so useful across multiple formats that they'll hold a 2 or $3 price point. But for the most part, those slots are, like, just free cards. You just ignore those completely. There's a card from the ancillary products uh, that surround Theros Beyond Death, this slot is much worse than it was in Eldraine. In Eldraine, you had access to Corvold, uh, the Esper Fairy, whose name I, escapes me, Kenrith, which is important in Jeskai Fires in Standard, um, and Arcane Signet, which is, of course, a mega staple for Commander. So that slot tended to cough up a few good cards per 12-pack box, in Eldraine, and does more or less nothing for you here. I think there's the Red Dragon that's holding about 5 bucks, and there's a couple of 2 or $3 cards. But on the whole, that slot is worse. You can actually have, like, random commons, like Mind Rack Harpy or whatever, that are just utterly worthless. However, the rest of the box is pretty juiced. It starts with the two foil showcase Nyx lands, which you and I have just unloaded, all of ours, um at more or less $2.50 a piece or something like that, between two twenty five and two fifty, dollars um, which underwrites the cost of the box by about 33%. Uh, 
And it's nice to be able to get out of a third of your box cost in a single transaction like that. And the people that are buying them are people that want them for EDH decks or cubes or whatever. And that demand will not exist forever because they will have new shiny toys to play with down the road. But for a few week period here, there's going to be a bunch of people that want the lands but don't want the collector boosters generally and are more than happy to do, you know, two, three, four hundred dollar transactions to get us out of our position, some portion of our position, and, you know, provide a clean exit. So when you think about the collector booster boxes longer term, you have to ask yourself, you know, could these lands get to four or five dollars down the road? That seems reasonable, right? Well, that splits into the other part of this conversation tonight, which is the unsanctioned release that uh, is, you know, going to be as impactful or even less so than any other onset release with the sole distinction that the people were flipping out about those lands today. Um, they are full art lands in they're essentially borderless lands except they have the tr- border trim of the unglued land, unhinged uh, guy. I can never remember which one's first. The very first unset. You remember the first unset lands had that very big yep. bulky frame on the outside with this, uh, a decent, you know, metal trim and then the full art in the middle. Well, they took all that bulky, just like garbage brown crap on the outside of the frame and ditched it. So now you have the full art with a pretty solid, um, like lattice frame in the center, you know, basic oval frame in the center. Um, people really like them. Like my Twitter feed, I didn't spend a lot of time on Twitter today, but everyone was talking about how much they like those lands. So how much are those going to eat at the foil Nick's land demand here since they are coming out so close temporally, right? Like the unset is in, I would admit it's like at the end of February. So it's a month or something. And which is a, even all of that plays into an even bigger question, which um, I, you know, I've noticed over the years and I know I'm not the only one that foil basics have totally bottomed out. Like it used to be that knowing your basics was very valuable. Um, the original Zendikar full arts were like, you know, some of those were like a dollar, a bilis or something like that, which for a basic land, non-foil was nuts. Um, and you could, you know, there's a lot of money to be had kind of keeping track of that type of thing. And then Wizards just, you know, they came out with the battle for Zendikar full arts, which everyone kind of expected. And they were pretty popular. And then they're like, and then here's more cool lands. And now here's more cool lands. And now here's more cool lands. And the basic market the basic selection has gotten just inundated with various impressive designs to the point where it feels like none of them can do anything anymore because there's just so many that are appealing. And it's like, oh, if you really like the foil, I don't know, whatever the third set is on whatever, those foil basics and they're too expensive for you, guess what? There are like eight different types of full art lands and cool basics you can go after that will are going to be cheaper. Um, and none of them can really see the prices like the original cool lands could hit, you know, not even the gurus, which are astronomical, but like the unhinged basics, which were, you know, 50 and $60 for foils and like 15 for non-foils. So I don't know, it just, it's interesting how the entire market for basics has basically fallen out. And I wonder how the unsanctioned 
foil basics are going to suppress the Theros foil Nyxlands. Here's the thing. The Unsanctioned is a box set. So like the Friday Night Magic set or whatever they put out a while back. They've done this a few different times. This one has a little more cachet to it because it is an unset. So it's going to sell decently, I suppose, but I don't expect it to be a big presence in the market. And the box only isn't booster packs. It's a it's a it's a game it's like it's a board game style set. So it only has five non-foil and five foil of the basics. So if you want to sell somebody 40 of these, you gotta open eight boxes. Some of that will go on, and it will certainly distract for a, a period of time. But overall, I, I, I think these lands will be worth more than the Nyx foils because there's going to be less of them in the market. But they're going to get to a $10 or $15 price point, whereas the foil Nyx lands are going to look pretty attractive because they're going to be so cheap by comparison and still look really great. And I was as much as I hate the Pokey lands, um, or thought I would, in person the foils are very attractive they have the the way that the foiling uh, looks in hand when you're as fan you know effect when you like fan a hand uh it's so distinctive that these are your lands and these are your playable spells that i, I think they're going to be very popular um and we've had no trouble unloading them like i've already sold all of mine you've already sold all of yours so <clears throat> my thinking is that if they even get to $4, say a year from now, because keep in mind, 23, let me think about this. No, 24 out of every 25 foil Nyx lands comes out of a collector booster pack. And even if they increased the print run of those collector booster packs by 10 or 15%, they still probably represent no more than 13 or 14% of the total number of Theros packs printed. So... Every time someone opens a normal booster box, they get one of those lands. Every time you open a collector booster box, you get 24 of those lands. If nobody's opening the collector booster boxes, there's not going to be many of those foil lands sitting around because they're all going to be rotting inside their boxes. So at a certain point, I think they're going to get relatively rare. And if they're still popular, and this is a question of whether the hype cycle will rotate, rotate past them and people will stop caring about acquiring them. If that happens, which is entirely possible, then they could languish anywhere between, you know, current market pricing of like three to five dollars. Um, but if they get really rare, like if they start to dry up and people aren't cracking, people will then be incentivized to crack the Theros collector boosters, in which case those boxes are going to go up. Because if those lands hit five dollars, you get 24 per box. That means you're getting $125, $121 worth of value out of your box just to start with. I mean, even right now, we, we were basically selling them at those $24 for $60, which brings our box, if you got your boxes at $210, brings them down to $150. My $200 boxes that I got here in the city um, would be $140. And to cover that $140 or $150, let's, let's talk about what else is in the boxes. You basically get an extended art in every pack. So you're getting 12 of those per box. And the lowest price on those right now is about $3 for the like the bad rares that don't have a home anywhere um, or are standard only cards. Um, but some of those are worth $5, $10, $15. And the really, bad, really, really good ones are between $20 and $30. Things like Dryad of the Elysian Grove and so forth. Fastest Oracle is currently sitting at $10. Could be a gainer, as I said. Um, and then you get... In Eldraine, you tended to 
average about four foil extended arts per box, sometimes three. Um, in this one, it seems to be much more solidly three. So you're going to get foil, three foil extended arts that are only available in these boxes, and they tend to run 10 to $15 range. But if you get lucky with something like a Nyx Lotus or a Thassus Oracle or an Underworld Breach or a Dryad of Elysian Groves or an Uro, then you're talking anywhere from 40 50 to 130 I think, for Uro now. So there's some serious upside there. The Planeswalkers I'm less excited about because they're just worse than they were in Eldraine. Like Ashiok uh, and Elspeth seem to have a standard life, but it's not even crystal clear that they are tier one decks. Uh, the decks that are running them, or how many copies those decks might need. There has been some experimentation, as we saw in that Modern League, with running the Elspeth in Modern, but it was a single copy. So um, I think I'm a seller of all the Planeswalkers for sure, but even they are going for you know $10 or so. The non-foil gar- gods are somewhere between 7 and $17. Heliod at the top end, Erebos and Nylea at the bottom. And then you get a, you have a slot that's a Saga, Constellation Showcase card, or Borderless Planeswalker. And then a, another slot that's a Foil, Constellation Showcase card, or Borderless Planeswalker card. So Foil, Constellation Showcase can be, a lot of the time, a demigod, which has to be essentially worthless. But a two or three times per box will either be a Foil God or a Foil Planeswalker. And those tend to add, at minimum, you know... 15 to 30 dollars and then you've got those foil double-sided tokens which are probably going to be probably buy list for 50 cents down the road so i opened six boxes so far the first three uh, at current market retail was worth about 920 dollars or something and i've managed to sell enough out of it in just a, a double handful of cards plus the the nyx lands to cover 83% of those first three boxes. I suspect if I push a little harder and list another 20 or $30, 30 cards for sale, I can get to the same ratio of sales, like 85% or so, on both boxes within about a week. And then the question becomes, if I'm still holding 400 or so worth of card, like money cards out of that stack, I, I would guess that best case scenario, I'm either going to break even or get up 10 to 20 percent and it's going to take four to six weeks bottom line as a spec very mediocre as a purchase for players or collectors pretty solid actually and i've been telling people this week i don't think you're actually supposed to be opening regular booster boxes anymore makes a lot more sense to me to buy one collector booster than to buy two booster boxes um Uh, hmm. uh, I, you know, rather than speak to the last point, I can say that, you know, if the foil Nyx lands move up to four or five bucks a piece, and if the boxes move down to 180 or 190, then yeah, like that sounds pretty good. But if, you, if you're able to get $4 per basic, and there's uh, two a pack, so you're looking at eight dollars a pack worth of lands, and there's what twenty four packs in these things. Twelve. It is twelve. Okay. Twenty four lands because you get two 20, two lands per pack. Yeah, you're at ninety six dollars. So yeah, if the basics make up half the value of the box, 
then yeah, that's definitely appealing because you know you can basically just you're immediately making half of the box back just on the lands. But is that going, you know, can these be, can you get $4 for the basics and have the boxes cost $180? Like that seems like it wouldn't happen. Well, unless every other card in the set was worthless. We, we have seen lag like that though. Like Jap- Japanese War of the Spark boxes got real cheap at the end of the summer. And that's probably, that was probably wrong too, from a long-term perspective. Like that, Wizards dumped more of those in the market, and people, vendors wanted to sell them, so they wanted to get their margin, so they sold them at the price that they needed to sell them to get them out the door, but Japanese war boxes are excellent. I opened, like, a case of those a week ago or something, and was very satisfied with what you pull out of there. I mean, there's there's a Planeswalker in every pack, half of them are anime, they're always going to have a home, and especially the top ten of them are all excellent cards, like... Karn, Great Creator, Jace, Wielder of Mysteries, uh, Nissa, Who Shakes the World, um, you know, Nicol Bolas, uh, Dragon God, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then there's all sorts of just random rares and mythics in that set, and even uncommons that are just fantastic. So you can have a gap between future forward value of singles and price of the box, but it can't last. Once it's established that the market will pay, like if buy list gets to $4, then everybody that's holding those boxes is incented to crack them, flip the lands, and then see what they enroll the dice and what they get. One of the things I noticed though is that the variance is just a lot lower. There are these these boxes are more juiced than they were in Eldraine. Eldraine could potentially be a blowout because it didn't have the double slot for really high end stuff. Like I I opened a couple of these packs where I was just like, what? Like these packs just look completely ridiculous compared to what I, I remember opening in Eldraine, where I would like you would have three or four cards worth $15 plus in the same pack. And that's why I made the comment about opening collector booster boxes as a collector um, or a player that can afford it, as opposed to regular booster boxes, because you get like three, four mythics a box kind of thing, uh, sometimes five if you're really lucky. But in these things, you can get just... Com- you're getting like two to three five dollar plus cards per pack more or less guaranteed and sometimes you're just opening like 80 to 100 dollar uh i i suppose i didn't keep track of it on a per pack basis i just split four boxes worth of booster packs and suck them all in a pile and pulled the cards out so i wasn't paying that close attention uh to the individual experience um, again, the lands do subsidize each pack to some extent, uh, but so far they don't. They certainly don't feel as good as I think the Eldraine could. You know, you look at Eldraine, and there's so many cards in there that if they're not already a, a proven value, you feel very good about them speculatively. Uh, you know, the market price on a lot of this stuff is fine, but, like, am I actually going to get the money out of it? Anywhere close to that? I don't know. Like, I, you know, I can look through my pile here, and I have Foil Extended R, Nessian Boar, Shatter the Sky, Tectonic Giant, Eat to Extinction, uh, Temple of the Deceit, Gravebreaker, Lamia, Woe Strider, Perforos's Invention. No. All of those look really good at market price. Nadir Kraken. I mean, Nadir Kraken extended art foils are listed at like $14 or something, but which makes it look real good, but is 
anyone going to pay me $14 for foil extended well, art nadir just kraken just be the stop getting greedy on tcg and be the lowest lowest price person i am i i've listed every single one of these cards at okay so let's let's low. see what happens then like given that you're the lowest price if you can't well, move, i agree i them it's also worth noting that as many people have noted extended arts have not made huge motion from eldraine to now in fact a lot of the spikes like some cards took off because they were the cards themselves were undervalued and priced too low which could happen here again but a lot of the stuff that was expected to do really well, like, say, Emery Extended Arts, has been more or less frozen in time in, the say, the $10 to $12 range since it came out. And the, and the ramp's getting steeper, and there are less of them around, and I think it is going to hollow out in the 6 to 12-month time frame. But the 0 to 6 doesn't seem to produce a lot of motion, so it suggests that people could be waiting and playing the waiting game to look for, to, for entry points on singles. Well, you know, even if that stuff is selling at those price points, that's great, right? Like that's, you know, Emory hasn't moved, but if people are still buying at the, you know, occasionally buying at the 12 or $13 or whatever, like that's fine because it means if you open those little drain packs and you had your extended art Emory and you're like, okay, this is worth 13 bucks. Well, yeah, it kind of is worth 13 bucks. You just got to wait for somebody to buy it. But like, is that foil boy extended art foil messian bore worth any, more than a dollar uh, probably not regardless of what the price point says now over the course of recording i have been listing these cards like i've been sitting here listing all, listing every card that was worth more than like three bucks on gcg player um and it, at this moment at 11 31 we have to wrap up by the way um i have sold four cards i sold an extended art nightmare shepherd for five bucks uh, a foil extended art woe strider for 14 That's i sold something. one of those at the same price yesterday uh, i'm pretty sure we were wrong to not hold them uh, a foil a, a non-foil extended art uro for 40 um and a pair of fo- of uh, extended art dream trawlers for 15 total so people are buying the cards clearly i've sold four you know was that six cards in four orders over the last two hours um but plus your lands you know those are a lot of the yeah and plus the lands but i mean the lands are a given right but these cards i think some of these are kind of the lower hanging fruit and i'll be curious to see how the rest of it goes at this point i'll be happy to break even and i'm like and i don't mean like well i sold 70 percent of the box and you know the rest of the cards that i kept are worth more so i feel like i got my money were, were like no like i want the whatever the total price point was in my bank account and that I don't know if I'm going to get to uh, without just taking without like selling literally every card in the box. And we got a deal on top of that. I guess I'm just feeling a little incensed at all of this. Um, I feel like it's even if I do make my money back, it will have been harder to do it. And sure, I'm going to end up with 40 showcase demigods, like 40 each. Like I have so many Daxos and renat or whatever and but like everyone who opens these is going to have all of those and like what good are they to me really like they're don't get me wrong they're nifty looking but i mean no you you value those at zero like those are all yeah those fill that slot all the time that it's not a god like that slot can only be a god or one of the demigods so the demigods are worthless Mm -hmm. the but Mm -hmm. I, i will drive home this point again these packs are significantly more juiced than the throne of eldraine ones were the slot formulation is better and the presence of the two foil basic nyx lands even if you're only getting out at like two dollars or two dollars and fifty cents per and selling them in bulk as a single transaction 
that under underwrites a big part of the box that eliminates a lot of the variance that was present in Eldraine. Now, that doesn't mean this is a good spec. <laughs> this is a mediocre spec at best. However, you cannot win on every premium product. We won on Mythic Edition 1, Mythic Edition 2 not so much, Mythic Edition 3 was a win, War of the Spark Japanese boxes, huge win, Modern Horizons, huge win while it lasted, uh, Secret Layers, huge win. There was another Secret Layer drop today that I totally forgot about and missed, uh, so we'll see how that goes for everybody else. Um, Throne of Eldraine, Collector Booster boxes was a win. This is the first miss in quite some time. Uh, <laughs> Which is the first one I bought. <laughs> no, you, you bought some of those other ones. Um, uh, so, yeah, yeah. But the point is this. I think this is very interesting now heading into Ikoria. First of all, I think a year from now, the Theros boxes are going to get back up again because I think the value is here. Um, and not every... The ideal spec takes five minutes to flip, but not every spec can take five minutes and not everybody is operating on that kind of time frame. Um, a lot of our listeners are just high-end collectors or players, um, grinders, etc. And they are looking for the cheapest entry point on cards. And again, I'll, I'll drive home this point that don't buy regular booster boxes when you could be buying cheap collector booster boxes. You're going to get triple, quadruple, quintuple handfuls of mythics instead of three, four, five myth, regular mythics. And you have the potential for great upside. 33% of the box is covered. This is a very solid deal for a player to buy. You can still get blown out, but it's pretty hard given the formulation. Like, I'd say your box was, like, average or a little below average. I'd say that of the six boxes I opened, I had four that were well above average, one that was about like yours, and one that was somewhere in between. Um, and I suspect that average value of these boxes is in or around 250 Street price now. The more of them that get opened, the lower that's going to get. And this could drop down into, you know, box cracking getting down to 180 to 200 worth on average. But that's still really good for going big picture for buying a collectible product. When you buy a standard booster box and you add up what it's worth, you might tell yourself that your $95 box is worth $95 or $82 or whatever. But most of the time you can't unload enough cards to get it anywhere close, right? Because you're people start to add up their 50 cent and dollar cards that they're never going to sell to convince themselves that they got their value. You don't have to do that with these boxes. And, and you're getting do, like hundreds of cards for free from these boxes that are literally will, will be valued at zero that you won't be able to flip even if you wanted to, but they can, you can still slide into your decks, like your commander decks and so forth. You're getting that you can keep the next lands if you want to and sell them later if they go up and play with them in the interim, double sleeve them and whatever and, and get some use out of them. And you might just hit a foil, like, Uro or whatever, and that flip that one card and keep all the rest of the cards for free. I, I think that the issue here that I'm experiencing is that it feels bad. Um, it feels worse than it could have because Eldraine felt like the cards were See, better. See, I, I, I think, I think like, people have got that wrong. The, go, it, it go, may, back, go back I mean, and look at, I'm just again I'm, sure, I'm just going sure, on sentiment to adjust the sentiment on go back sensation. and look at the rare list for Eldraine the one key point that I think is different between Eldraine and Theros is that Eldraine has the five castles 
and four of those castles are seeing significant play. So all of the extended art castles are probably better than the extended art Scrylands. Um, but you know, I, you and I were looking at extended art Scrylands at what you said Temple of Plenty was two dollars or something. That's gotta be yeah. wrong. Like the green, the uh, green lands in general are going to be the least necessary in in EDH. But an extended art for two dollars—that's crazy. The temple. So did the deceits were better. I think the non-foil temple deceit was like six bucks. So there, there is a little temple plenty was probably on the low end. But uh, uh, I'm not. I I think that the formulation on the pack is better. I don't disagree with that. I think that the basics help significantly. Um, it it you just. I'm looking through the cards that I open and I'm like, this just doesn't, it doesn't feel great. And it, and really it only feels as good as it does because I'm looking at several of these cards. I have, I have a, I have the pile of cards that I, that I listed for sale. I have the pile of cards, which is quite tall. That is just essentially just getting dumped into my bulk rare box. Um, and I will go dig these out if they ever move. Um, and that includes foil, normal cards, um, and also non-foil extended arts. And then I have a small pile, roughly the same number of cards that I listed for sale, probably like 30 cards deep or so, of like speculative cards that I'm going to set put into my spec box. So, like the, I have a bunch of Storm Heralds in here. Um, I have two foil, Kiora Bests, the Sea God, that mythic uh, saga. I've got... The so the foil dog word soup dog. I have all the gods that I open. No thassas, but uh, six perforoses. Uh, all the calyxes, all the elspeths, the protean thaumaturge. So like these are cards that I'm setting aside in my spec box. So I don't feel I don't even feel like quite as bad because I'm like okay, well I opened like three elspeths and one of them is foil. So I'm going to set this aside and then like maybe I'll get paid off on this later. But I'm specul- I'm essentially speculating on this whole pile, um, like the Elspeth especially. And if I just take these at their current market value. At- now, again, I'm going to tell you that if you are a person with money to spend on Theros, yes, you are probably supposed to buy this box instead of a booster box because you pay a huge amount of money on a booster box for absolutely for kindling right like you know you've got 36 boxes and or 36 packs and 13 you know what is it, 11 cars in every pack might as well be uh shivs to prop up your table and you're just hoping to get there essentially on the couple foils that you open uh whereas a collector's booster feels a lot more exciting um, you know you're going to pull a couple cards that are good. All the commons and uncommons are foil, which is nice if you want to slot a couple of those in your EDH decks and and what have you. Uh, I just as as somebody who bought them to sell them, I'm not convinced. Oh, but that, I could be. Uh, you know, maybe no, the math no, no, that, is going to work out clear. I've already said this is a mediocre spec. <laughs> they that yeah. did not yeah. provide the clean exit we were looking for. But looking forward, I think it's interesting because. Now that people feel like they got burned, if, like some people order, pre-ordered these at 240, 250, and now the market's down to 210. We thought we were beating market by 30 or 40 dollars a box, but then the market caught up to our pro trader price. Now our pro traders are going to get offered 180, 185, and we'll see if anybody bites. I, I, I haven't decided yet if I will. My trigger point for doing that will be 
playing the game the professor always plays where you have to re you can only buy the boxes with what you get out of the original boxes which is more of a collector player thing than any kind of a real business right like you when you look at time yeah. spent you're you're treading water not making progress but i i do believe that there's a lot of upside on some of these cards that are at lows and it might be a year or two out for some of these but you know if i can pick up extended art temples in a couple weeks that they're like real low and it's three or four dollars oh for sure i'll do that and we got a we did a group buy today uh for the pro trader members with a bunch of these extended arts and extended art foils and there were some very good deals coming from our vendors in europe so you know i'm there are related specs that make a lot of sense and now i'm looking forward to icoria thinking to myself huh People are going to feel burned on Theros. Demand will be as low, if not lower, on the Ikoria collector boosters. And what will that mean for however whatever adjusted formulation is present there ends up interacting with the market? Is it possible that the market will pre-sale them real, real low? Like 210 will be the North American average right out of the gate. And then the formulation will turn out to be even better than Theros and people will realize they've got it wrong will be something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying that I'm sitting out on the Ikoria one either. That seems like there might be some, some traction there. Uh, I, I might be willing to roll the dice a little bit on that. I mean, I think some total, there are better card specs going on than the collector boosters are likely to produce. So that's worth noting. Uh, and, and even if you're looking for just sealed premium product to flip, Secret Layer is probably where you want to be looking. That single day release leads to all sorts of FOMO after the fact. And uh, there are ver- versions, like, of the seven from the original sets in, what was it, December? Um, or late November? There are sets in there that I didn't think were going to make money at all that totally did. Like, have you looked at the prices on the foil snow basics? I have looked at no prices whatsoever. They're like they're like ten to fifteen dollars a piece. What did that? What were were that? Was that its own box? I don't yeah. even remember. Yeah, it was five five foil snow basics plus a planeswalker for I think thirty nine ninety nine. Okay, and they're ten to fifteen dollars a piece. Hmm. So I'll have to the the rat one feels like it'll be the litmus test because that just seems. Oh. Like it is the wrong product for the wrong market, and if that ends up at more than its price, then clearly the answer is buy secret layers. Well, but regardless. there's but there's five of the rat. Everybody needs forty of for their EDH deck in there. Yeah, so it's gonna be just fine. And I and it does come with a planeswalker that's already been confirmed. Oh, they did. Did Wizards confirm that? Somebody I think released a picture of pulling a Ral out of it, which was one of the missing planeswalkers. So mm-hmm. it's not clear whether it's just Ral or that there's a there's a a variety of them available. If it's just Ral, that's not super exciting, but it's still a bonus, like still a five to ten dollar card minimum. Right, right. Um, all right, let's get this uh wrapped up here. Where can our listeners find you, James? You guys can find me on Twitter at MTG Critic, as well as uh, I guess we're also should be mentioning that you can follow at MTGPrice.com. We're finally 
actually updating our Twitter account for the, the company, which is very exciting after a couple of years of not doing so. So you can uh, check that out for uh, all the latest announcements about the podcast, the various articles, stuff going on for the pro traders, etc. cetera. Uh, what about you, Travis? Uh, I am on Twitter at wizardbumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. Tune in once a month to see me make a bunch of people angry with tweets that have nothing to do with magic. Um, other than that, you can catch me right here on MTG Fast Finance. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com pro trader service for just $7.99 a month or $79.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. That is just $1.50 a week, and I guarantee you that if you were in our pro trader Discord today and you took part in our group buy, we definitely paid for most of your annual membership, if not a big chunk of it. Uh, and that was just one of the group buys we do every month. Cool. Uh, are we giving away credit this week? Yeah, we are giving. We didn't have a, a user pick this week, but we're giving away credit to <laughs> user Dragon's Bane that was hanging out in the Pro Trader Discord. Uh, Dragon's Bane will get a $25 gift certificate from Cool Stuff Inc. Spend big so they keep giving us that sweet, sweet credit. Speaking of who that sweet, sweet credit is, uh, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc where you can find all sorts of cool stuff in stock, including the best in Magic the Gathering single, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at coolstuffinc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast, which brings us to the end of episode 204. Uh, Always a good time. Should be here for next week, and we get to do it all over again. Thank you, Travis. Good luck selling your collector booster singles, my friend. And we'll see you guys next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.